Good morning. So my name is Clark Morris. I'm a, a deacon here at the Heartland Church of Christ. It's my pleasure to welcome you to our service today. And if you're visiting, we're very, very uh, pleased to have you as a part of our family today. I want to tell you a story about Hubba Bubba. But before I do that, I want to give you a quick uh, update on the uh, our minister's search process. Uh, as most of you know, we're in the search for a permanent uh, full-time pulpit minister. And our search committee has, uh, in the, the candidates that we have vetted, we've identified a candidate that we feel really good about. And we have passed that name along to the elders. And I believe uh, this week the elders uh, are working to... Um, uh, they have a, a conference set up um, with that candidate and uh, so that's where we're at. Now, the search committee, we're continuing to look for other candidates. And so we've got a, um, another meeting a week from this Wednesday, the last Wednesday of the month. Um, but I would say that we feel really good about the candidate that we put before the elders. And so the, the, of the elders to discern whether that uh, is a good match uh, for us here at Heartland and whether that's uh, God's will for us. So um, we're excited that we feel like we're making progress in the process, and I want to keep you updated. And as we have developments, we'll let you know. So, hubba bubba. Now, if you don't are not a big gum chewer, you may not know what hubba bubba is because it was more popular when I was a kid than it is today. I think you still can find it in a few places today. But when I was a kid, hubba bubba was um, a really awesome bubble gum. Because it was very flavorful and it was a pretty big piece of gum and it would come in this packet. And so for my allowance, I would get a quarter and a pack of Hubba Bubba every single week. And so I just thought that was awesome. Now, a quarter may not sound like very much to you today and maybe a pack of gum doesn't sound like very much, but it meant a lot to me. And so. What I would do is I would get that pack of Hubba Bubba and then I would go into my room and open my top dresser drawer and I had a box in there and I would put the Hubba Bubba into the box because I thought if I can store this up, it's even more valuable. The more gum I get, the more I have and the more value I have in my life. I mean, a storehouse of Hubba Bubba bubble gum. So what would happen is my siblings, I had three siblings, they also would each get a quarter and a package of Hubba Bubba bubble gum. And they would go home and they'd instantly chew all their gum. They would just chew it all. And so as time went along, they discovered that I had a storehouse of bubble gum in my dresser. And so my older brother, Chuck, at one point just went into my dresser and opened it up and said, Look at this. Look at all this hubba bubba that he's hiding from us. And so he insisted that I share it with the rest of my siblings who had long ago chewed their hubba bubba at the beginning of the week. And I was indignant, thinking, I am the one that has saved. I am the one that has restrained my own desire for hubba bubba so that I can have this storehouse of gum. And it struck me at the time that why would they ask me for this, what I have sacrificed for? 
But eventually I came to a realization that what was I saving this gum for? Why was I sacrificing? What was I saving it for? If not a moment when my siblings could really use some gum. And so I started passing it out to them. And actually, after I did that, the indignation left and I thought, you know what? This is really great. And I actually got more joy out of giving their gum starved mouths my gum than in chewing it myself. Because I because I thought, you know what? I uh, was able to uh, restrain myself. And then in their time of need, I brought out the hubba bubba. But my nature, my nature is to be indignant, to think of myself, to think of ways to pleasure my own desires. And that's a part of my nature. It was a part of my nature when I was a kid, when I was saving Hubba Bubba, and it is still a part of my nature today. And even though I learned from that experience, I still struggle today with my role in helping others and focusing on others and giving to others. And really, this is um, a quintessential maturity point for Christians, I believe. You know, when Jesus talks about to the rich young man who asks him, you know, what's the key to heaven? What does he say? He says, well, don't murder and for most of it, that's that's pretty easy, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I've actually never been tempted to murder anyone. So I know that some people struggle with that. And I hope you don't struggle with that. But that's never been tempting for me. It's like I get that that's easy. And then he, and he says, uh, don't commit adultery. And, you know, that's maybe a little harder for some of us because many of us lust after other people. But, you know, for the most part, we've probably got that down. And then he says, uh, don't lie. And, you know, we had to work on that. Many of us have to work on that. And so, you know, there's we probably continue to do that. But, you know, for many of us, particularly as adults, we probably got that down. And the the rich man says, oh, then, the, then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in concept, we, you know, as Christians that we we're working on that and we, you know, we kind of get that and. We actually like when people love us, and so we like to love other people. But then he says, well, I've done all those things. And then Jesus gets to the the real crux of what it really means to love others as yourself. And he says, go sell all your possessions and give them to the poor. Oh. Ooh, that's really mature. That's really a depth of love that I'm not quite so sure that I'm there yet. And so I think for many of us Christians, that's the maybe the point that we're working on, where we can see ourselves as a vessel for God's blessings, not for our own lives, but that God will use us to bless others. And so this is the challenge. This is the giving challenge that I want to put out to us today. And I say us and I mean me And then I'm really working on me and we're working on us together. This giving challenge. I have the uh, opportunity to 
uh, raise money in my job. And so um, it's one of the things that uh, I enjoy doing. It is a big challenge, and but I get to meet a lot of awesome people. And one of the things I do when I, when I meet people and they're thinking about asking them to give is that I sort of have two categories of people in mind. And there are two broad categories of givers, just generally when you think about philanthropy. And there are givers who give because it makes them feel and look good. And there are givers who give because they truly care about others. And then they see themselves as a as a vehicle that God can use to help other people. And there's you know, there's 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 varying degrees of people all along that spectrum. And probably all of us in our lives fall on both sides of that at some point. But our nature is, as probably as young children, as hubba bubba lovers, is to be more on the end of if I'm going to give, I want something in return. I want people to notice it. I want for um, if I'm going to do this for it to benefit me in some way. And as we mature, we're looking for a place. We're trying to get to a place where we can give out of a pure heart, out of a place where we can say to God, God, um, send blessings through me, not for my benefit, but for the benefit of others. Put me in the place where I can help others. Help me, Father, to see the need and to understand the need so I can help for that need to be overcome. And I think that's a huge challenge. And so we're going to have a practical application of this today. And I'm going to ask high schoolers, if you're in high school, I'm going to ask you to come up uh, and join me on this stage. If you'll just uh, come up here for a second. So if you're in high school, come up here. Yep. Some of you are thinking, am I in high school? I'm not really sure. Let's see. I've got a locker. I've got a backpack. I go to a school that has high school in the name. So, all right. Um, And what we're going to do, high schoolers, is um, I'm going to give you this envelope. I think I have enough of them. That's good. Okay. All right. So here's an envelope. All right. Everybody take one. All right. Just take them and pass them down. So why are you doing that? So in the envelope is a $20 bill. So, um, and it's a real 20. And... I had to ask my wife's permission to do this because, <laughs> again, you know, the hubba bubba side of me said, do I really want to give away all these money, this money to these teenagers? And so uh, but Stephanie, you know, is rock solid. She said, yeah, this will be great. And so we're we're doing this. All right. Did everybody get one? Oh, we got extras. All right. Um, so. There's twenty dollars inside there, and I'm, this is your giving challenge. All right. I want you to take this this week and I want you to find someone and I want you to use this to bless their life. All right. Find somebody that has need and use this money to bless their life. Now, it could be somebody, you know, it could be someone in your family, it could be somebody you don't know. All right. There are no rules to this. And in fact, you can take the money and you can spend it on yourself. But what I want you to do is to challenge yourselves, to challenge yourselves to be a vessel for God and to use this $20 
to bless somebody else. Okay? So we're going to pray together real quick. All right? So let's pray. Father God, I just ask that you would look down and reach out, Father, and and grasp these teens and the the funds that they hold in their hands. And Father, use them to bless people in our community and for them to feel your love. It's through Christ that we pray. Amen. Okay, take your envelopes, go sit down. Thank you. That's your challenge. So, so the challenge, high schoolers, is can you move beyond selfish ambition? Can you move beyond the idea of, and I hope you do think about this, think about, well, what could I buy for myself with $20? I could buy a cheeseburger. I could buy a lot of hubba bubba bubble gum with $20. And I'm sure there are probably things in your life that you think, you know what, I'd like to spend this on me. And because all of us feel that way, we all have that desire. And what I'm asking is that in humility, that you consider others' needs above your own. See, turning our focus to others rather than ourselves. So Philippians 2 and verse 3, of course, says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. And so some of us might say, well, are you asking me to be a martyr and to just um, always think of others? And, you know, I never get anything. And I sort of I I have this um, sort of lack of oxygen rule. And if you've ever flown on an airplane, you know, that uh, they always give this instruction that says if if at some point the cabin pressure decompresses and there's a lack of oxygen, a mask will drop over your seat and you are to grab the mask closest to you, put it on your mouth and then help others. And the reason for that is that if you try to help others first and you pass out, you're no good to anybody. And so you've got to you've got to put your mask on first. And so that's kind of my standard when I think about Giving, And when I think about how are how can we be vehicles for giving and helping other people uh, and not at some point think about ourselves. And so you need you need oxygen so you can help other people. You need to be healthy so you can help others. You know, if you know someone that needs a piece of clothing, it doesn't do you any good to not have any clothing and run at them naked with a shirt. You know, Um, you got to have you got to have clothing on. So I'm so there is a standard by which. Um, You do have to take care of yourself, but there's a balance between that and where your focus is, because if you just allow yourself, your natural focus will be on yourself. That twenty dollars will be eating you up with all of the things, the hundred things you could buy for yourself. So you've got to turn your focus out towards others. Now. The benefit to that, the benefit is that by turning that focus, I think you will find that your life 
is better, that you actually get benefits, as I found out with by giving my gum away rather than chewing it myself. Proverbs 11 and verses 24 and 25, I think this was in the bulletin this week, says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Brothers and sisters, there's wisdom in that. There's wisdom in that. Listen to that. One person gives freely, but gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. You see, because God loves people that give the way he gives. And God will take care of you. And so when you are generous, you gain even more. So one of the skills needed in order to to enact this is that you've got to be able to know where need is. And you sort of have to be uh, you have to have an awareness. Now, some people are skilled at this and others are not. I don't know that I'm that skilled at this. Uh, to know where need is. Um, you know, Jesus was the all-time master at this. You know, Jesus could tell when there was a very ill woman who had a tremendous amount of faith that could walk by him in a crowd and just touches him, and he could tell that that woman had need. I mean, he was incredible at knowing what people's needs are. And we've talked about this before. I think I said this in a sermon not too long ago, that each of you probably has some need as you sit here today. And some of those are probably of, you know, of a higher order than others or more uh, extreme. You know, I think about how uh, this season feels like a season when we are losing so many people. I went to uh, two memorial services this week and, you know, as we said in our announcements, many in our family are are suffering the loss of their loved ones. And so there's a lot of need out there. Um, We just learned last night that uh, one of the folks we went to high school with, their um, nephew committed suicide um, uh, last week. Uh, There's some extreme need in our circles in our community and uh, sometimes needs may seem small on the scale of you know all of those needs but they're not small necessarily to the individual and so jesus somehow knew that he could identify other people's needs and he had a great sense for that And I think that the key to that, the absolute key, is that his focus was not on himself. His focus was on other people. So uh, I really appreciate um, uh, Curtis and Charlie and the wisdom that you had and the words that you shared and prayed for us today. Uh, Jerome, I thank you for leading us in some classics today. uh, actually, uh, the old rugged cross was a, a classic that I really couldn't stand when I was a kid, um, and it uh, it because it felt like it went on forever, you know. Uh, and but 
there were people in uh, the church that I grew up in that loved that song. And they loved it because it sang about their journey and about their love for this cross, which the world despises, this savior that the world threw away and killed. But dreaming of the day when they would turn that in for a crown. And today, as we sang that, I thought about their journeys and many of them have turned that cross in for a crown. And they sang about that journey with passion. And so I could hear their voices as we sang today. So I love that song today. Because it wasn't about me and whether the song was taking too long. It was about what that song meant for other people. And you see how just that change in my focus towards others and not on myself can make all the difference. And now that's a powerful song for me. I, uh, I don't want to take too long with this, but I do want to remind us of Jesus' teaching in his parable about the talents. And um, the NIV would call this uh, the parable of the bags of gold. Um, and uh, we find this in Matthew chapter 25. And uh, it, it is a... Uh, a parable where um, let me just uh, read this because I, I want to remind us of uh, this incredible teaching, starting in verse 14. Again, it'll be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one, he gave five bags of gold to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on the journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Also, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And so I won't read it word for word, but if you know this parable, you know what happens. And it is uh, really uh, quite revealing. The master comes back and the man that um, has uh, taken the ten bags of gold and produce 10 more with his work and his labor. Um, he gives him a lot more responsibility. He says, you've done well with a lot. And so I'm going to give you a, a, a lot more responsibility. Same thing happens with the uh, man who is five bags of gold and has produced five. But the man who was scared of the master and only had one and buried it because he was afraid he was going to lose it. And, uh, he was afraid what the master would think of him when he came back. He, uh, he produced that bag, but the master was upset with him. Because his reason for giving him this gold, this resource, was so that he would go out and he would, he would do more with it. He wouldn't hide it. He wouldn't waste it. And what we see in this teaching... And um, it's interesting because Jesus refers to this as a talent and uh, in the original Hebrew. And so um, and a talent was a measure was the highest measure um, of something uh, for us. It probably like for us saying a million. But um, and so it depends on what the. What you were talking about. So if you said a talent of a common metal, you know, maybe that would be worth 
three months' wage. But if you're talking about a talent of the finest gold, that would be over a million dollars. And so the reason I mention that is that it really doesn't matter exactly what the amount is. It doesn't matter in your envelope whether there's a quarter, whether there's $20, whether there's $100, $100,000, or a million dollars. Jesus expects that you're going to take what you have and you're going to do something with it. That you are going to be productive in his kingdom and that at any amount you can be productive. And even though it may seem unfair that the man who only had a measure of one talent or one bag of gold uh, in comparison to the others, he still had the same expectations for that he would take that and do something with it. And the reason I mention this is that I find in my own life uh, uh, an examination that if, if I can't, if, if I can't do something and be generous and be thoughtful and have my focus on others with the amount that God has given me at this point in my life, then why should he entrust me with more? And I think that applies to not just money. I think it applies to uh, health and to um, talents, real talents, and to blessings and opportunities. If I'm wasting the opportunities that God is giving me, why should he give me more? And so, you know, it'd be really cool. And actually, this idea about giving out these envelopes and doing a giving challenge is not my idea. Actually, I think I got it from Dina Bridgman. And um, and I would love to do it for the whole church, but my wife wouldn't let me. And so, uh, no, and maybe someday we'll be able to do that. But um I think our high schoolers are going to teach us something. And high schoolers, I want you to do that this week. And I want you to come back and tell me about what happened. And so um, in my sermon in March, um, we're going to talk about some of your stories and your experiences. Can God trust you with his blessings? Can God trust you with his blessings? Can you focus your life on selfless giving to others. Again, I stand before you today as a uh, as your brother who is um, I'm struggling with this. Uh, I'm, I'm doing better than I was, uh, you know, earlier in my life, but I still struggle with this because I feel like God is giving us so many blessings in so many ways. And um, and there I know that I need to turn my attention more towards others and to bless others. And I just ask that you join me on our journey with giving. And I'm challenging you to, to give. And I think we're going to learn something uh, through our, our teens this week. Um, I want to close with this. And I was at a, um, a funeral of one of uh, my donors uh, to uh, the Herman Jewel series that I work with. And um, he, he was 90 years old, uh, passed away on Tuesday. And uh, he was Jewish. Um, Jesus was Jewish, by the way. Um, uh, it's a pretty uh, uh, cool uh, faith uh, group. 
and uh, they have some really neat rituals. And one of the things they do at burials is they um, they bury uh, their dead in plain pine boxes with no ornament and no nails and no varnish on them. And the reason they do that is for humility. The humility of someone trying to return to the earth and trying to return to God. But the... Uh, after they put the box in the ground uh, with the body, they invite family and friends to come and to shovel dirt onto the casket. And there's a specific way that you are instructed to do it. And it's uh, you one by one, you take the shovel and you take the shovel and you turn it upside down. And with the back of the shovel, you you put a little dirt in the ground and then you turn it around and then you put a couple of scoops of dirt on the casket and then give the shovel to the next person. Here's the reason why. It's symbolic of the last selfless act that you can do for your friend. As if it symbolizes you tucking that person into bed. And loving them and telling them that you care for them and that you want them to be comforted. And then the reason that you uh, your first scoop is with the back of the shovel is because it's difficult for you. You don't want to do it. But it's not about you. So you turn the shovel over and you put two full scoops in. Because as Abraham told us that all of us come from the dust and return to the dust. And that it isn't about us. It's about loving others and showing your love and being selfless in our giving. If there's something on your heart that you'd like to share uh, before God and the church, um, we're going to stand and sing and I invite you to come forward. I challenge you this week uh, to join me in being uh, a giver and being the kind of giver that Jesus would have us to be. Please accept that challenge and please come with your needs as we stand and sing.